Hello, welcome to another episode of Chewda Means Cool. I hope you're doing well and having a wonderful week so far. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to today's episode. I'm really, really happy to share this one with you. So thank you for being here. Um, today I'm going to be chatting with someone who I admire a lot and who's been a friend for quite some time. Um, we're going to have Sebas on the podcast, who he's the founder of Sastre. Um, Sastre is a Peruvian brand that focuses on the conversation that happens between the producers of our clothes and us consumers. Um, he's going to do most of the explaining, but I did want to say that this was a very special episode for me to record because it kind of showed how important community is for emerging brands. Sastre is a relatively new brand, yet it has such a strong community. And I think this is due to the very clear values that they have and how these resonate with people who aren't just buying their products, but are wanting to become part of this, their community. So I think Sastre is just an experience unlike anything that I've been through in the past. So I can't wait to share their story with you. This was also a really funny, fun episode to record because Sebas and I typically chat in Spanish with, with one another, but here we are. <laughs> um, we're going to be covering um, how he came up with the idea and kind of how the concept developed in the way it did and even a little bit of what's to come in the future. So I hope you love the episode as much as I did and feel free to let me know if you do. I hope you enjoy and yeah, let's get right into it. Hello. Hi, I'm so excited for this episode. Sebas, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Um, <laughs> I'm Sebas. I'm the creator of Sastre, a sartorial brand dedicated to making pieces with and for our clients. Amazing. Um, so for some context, Sebas and I went to high school together in Peru, but then he went to study law. So I was very surprised when Sastre came to be. <laughs> so I want to kind of hear the whole story. And I know it's a very new thing, but it's already kind of formed such a strong community um, in Peru. And I'm sure it'll take over the world soon. But I want to hear kind of like the, the origin story. Like, how did you go from from even like back in high school? Like, did you always have this interest? And like, then you went to study law. So kind of where... Where did that change to deciding to start Sastre? Um, I guess it's it's always been an interest. Uh, I, I lived in Manhattan for three years when I was between nine and 12 before mm -hmm. getting to high school and meeting you. So when I was there, I always said that I wanted to be a designer. Nice. Then, um, I don't know, I just lost um, proximity to that artistic side and I opted for law. But then when I started practicing law, I started uh, needing suits. So, mm -hmm. I, so I got into the habit of finding who would be the best tailor or if I could find the best tailor, what fabrics I could find. And I started making all my suits, my shirts and my shoes. And then I realized that I could probably make um, not formal pieces, but uh, that withheld the traditional tailoring values. So I don't know, a jacket, a pant, a shirt, and just manufacture it in a traditional 
uh, slow fashion way where there is a pattern for each person and the craft behind it and overall just make a better product than is offered. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Then it, it, I started <laughs> build. It started. It became a game, really. So I, I always did it with my clothing. And at one point, I was like, uh, I could make this a profitable business. Mm -hmm. Why did you? Why did you want to make your own stuff? Like, why not buy like suits? You know. I never found what I wanted. <laughs> I never found what I wanted. And one part uh, for, for starters and to what I could find, I, I don't know. I just didn't have that connection with, with the clothing that I could find or buy. And I mm -hmm. feel that clothing is not only, or dressing up is not only about the clothing and how it looks, but also about the experience that you have with it and how it feels and what you remember from it. Yeah, I agree. I think that's like kind of what, how I dress myself. So I think that's, very very true um i i you did mention that you kind of lost that artistic side yeah like some at some point in lima i guess yeah i think that's like the lima effect or because i kind of um, can relate a little bit i feel like i when i moved is when i fully kind of embraced how i dress or how i am creatively now yeah i mean i think for sure there is a lima effect because uh, <laughs> we can have a very uh, art isn't so ingrained in 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 you know um, in our mainstream cultural dynamics, mm -hmm. you know. And I I think that if you grow up in a different part of the world, you're more exposed to I don't know galleries, um, new music, uh, concerts, mm -hmm. and all kinds of artistic um, manifestations. Yeah. So definitely a Lima effect. But also paired with that, the, the the whole thing of growing up and trying to fit in and yeah. and wearing, you know, what was being worn by by who you wanted to be. I don't know, a mixture of things, but definitely my effect was there. Yeah, which is also interesting because I feel like that is changing a lot now. Like people like you and other brands that are based in Peru and are amazing are kind of changing that you know yeah uh, without a doubt uh it, it's been when i launched the brand i thought that i would be uh trying to find a niche that wasn't here but mm -hmm. in the process of the last year i've realized really that there there is a community of small brands doing something different yeah and it's really it's really fulfilling to find them along the way and and share ideas and and no, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's a. It's also very small and upcoming, but yeah. it makes it more thrilling that it's, you know, a little group. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and so if you had to kind of like walk us through getting started, how yeah. did you like come up with, you know, everything from like the name to like, because I think you started with like, with like one shirt, right? It was kind of yeah. like a staple shirt. That was... So. That was a product of, of the pandemic, really. The, the, the initial plan for Sastre was not to be launched as it was. Uh, I did a pre-launch uh, at the end of February 2020, so last year. Mm -hmm. And the idea was just to offer one shirt the, throughout that week of the pre-launch, uh, not custom-made, 
but uh, but made to your measurements. Um, and the idea was during a pre-launch to form a small community and then have a formal launch. And in the formal launch, people would see that we would already have a little, you know, community and they would want to, or they would be interested by the community that we had formed in the pre-launch. Mm -hmm. And well, I did it at the end of February and in 14th, the 15th of March, we had the lockdown. Yep. <laughs> and so it, 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 it went on hiatus until further notice because I could no longer measure people um, in person. Physically. Right. Yeah. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't distraught. I was just, um, setback <laughs> and initially no one thought that this would be like a i hate the word or the phrase new normality but right we're into a year yes. and a half <laughs> new normality. um so it went in hiatus until june july i think i think july mm -hmm. and i i was i was um very stubborn that i wanted to launch it and i had been thinking throughout those months how i could launch it in a pandemic context mm -hmm. and the idea was okay i can't make the suits which are the staple of the brand i can't make the pants because for those two pieces i really need to measure the person because um along the waist along uh, the length of the legs of each person's butt um i don't know shoulders <laughs> everything so those things are very you know um hard to oversee they're key factors that will allow us to make the piece that will be very yeah. differentiated from those being offered in stores. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the the one piece that I could offer would be a shirt, um, which is also better if you have the measurements, but it's the one that you can most uh, yeah, or that you can have do like the best with, right? All that stuff, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, so we launched it through Zoom. Uh, I, I launched the webpage explaining the process of designing your own shirt and doing it through Zoom with me. Um, <laughs> and I did it really, I thought it would fail, uh, to be completely honest. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, who designs <laughs> a shirt through Zoom? And, I mean, I and, did. <laughs> right, our community did. It, it, was, it was very fulfilling um, to see that there was this very um, innate want in people to actually have that experience and design and be willing to do it through zoom in such a in such a i don't know experimental way and so the the, the brand started just making shirts through zoom uh, a couple of months later restrictions eased so more people were willing to have me measure them and that's when we started doing pants um and shirts but i hadn't introduced yet suits because we were still in like new normality where no one was really dressing up. True. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't that much of the market for suits. And I, I really wanted to hold on because they're, they're like the crown possession of the brand and what will be in the long term the the like the the core of the brand. And well now we do suits and it's <laughs> it, it's it's been growing since then and it's nice. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. But um going back to like the first kind of pandemic part and where you had to do everything over zoom like yeah how um i mean i went i i know the process because i went through it but i thought it was <laughs> the most fun kind of way yeah. of designing it i was i was zooming 
you had like a, my friend's house it was like the most pandemic scenario ever like working from yeah. home with my sister but i thought it was so fun so i want i want you to share more about like how that process happened sure uh the process was uh first off we would have a catalog of different uh oxford colors and patterns mm -hmm. and we started only working with oxford shirts uh kind of because I didn't want there to be so many options that you could get lost in the process of deciding. Yes. So I wanted to keep it very simple. So we only did Oxford shirts and I would have a, uh, a catalog of different types of Oxford fabric. Mm -hmm. And I, I would send you pictures of the Oxford fabric throughout the Zoom meeting. And throughout the Zoom meeting, I would also share my screen and project a pattern of a, of a typical Oxford shirt. Mm -hmm. And based on what colors you would like, I would start showing you different um, combinations that you could do if you wanted to do more than one color. I would show you past uh, designs that we had made for other clients so that you could see, um, I don't know, the extent of how much you could innovate. I would also explain the different parts of a shirt so that when you see the pattern, you see, for example, I don't know, um, that the sleeve is one part that is sewn into the rest of the body, that the cuff is also a different part, and that the collar is a different part. And mm -hmm. due to the fact that there are different parts, they can be, diff they can be different uh, types of Oxford. And just, I don't know, from the, from the specific technical side of the different parts of the shirt, I would show you the extent of possibilities you have to create. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it's it's it. I think that's what is at the end of the day the core part of the brand, which is yeah. um, creating with each client and explaining to each client how the piece works and how he can better the piece or modify it, in which way he can modify it and which way he cannot modify it because then mm -hmm. the piece would not work or be well, very fun, <laughs> right? Um, so, I mean, you uh, had so or, much patience, so that's also very, very <laughs> impressive. Uh, yeah, but it, I've had patience because I have, I have genuine fun doing it. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's. How did you like learn about this stuff? Because you didn't obviously study it. So was it yeah. just kind of from making your own clothes, or? Because yeah, I remember but, when we were swimming, you would tell me and my sister like, if you do this, then that won't work because this needs to be sewn with this. Blah, blah. And I was like, how would you like, I would have no idea, you know, <laughs> when I when I started making my own clothes, I was I, I am OCD in various facets of my life. <laughs> and I genuinely wanted to be there present for different parts of the making of the pieces. I wouldn't be there the whole time. Um, let's be honest, but I would be like, I would ask, when are you gonna, I don't know, sew the color, uh, sew the color and the cuffs and the sleeves, yeah. so that I can see like the, the fitting of how the the, the length of the sleeve hangs, and okay. she would be, and she would tell me that would be Saturday, so I'll go Saturday, and I would sit there with her for with Senor Gocha, who's our, um, which is who she's like the mother of the brand. She takes care of all the shirts. <laughs> Um, I would sit with her and uh, for six hours and see the process and I would learn and ask and just through asking and getting relatively good answers and and more asking and more answers I learned mm -hmm. and the same with my tailor uh, the, the tailor takes care of the suits and the pants so it's you and his name is like 
leads the whole thing and then these two people help you make them and you've been working with them forever uh yeah senor gocha knows me since i was in my mom's belly my Aww. dad yeah she she did the shirts for my dad and my grandpa Amazing. um yeah in peru. in peru and pepe i've known not for so long ago um pepe is actually the byproduct of me not liking another tailor that i had been working with <laughs> he was just down the hall in a in a in a in a street where there are various tailors in in el centro de lima yeah the, the historic center of lima mm -hmm. um, and there are various tailors who used to tailor for people in El Centro de Lima when it was uh, valued and not as the not what it is today. Yeah, it's deconstructed it now and no one's cared for the beautiful buildings. Yeah. Um, so uh, I've known them, uh, Senor Gocha forever, uh, Pepe for various years. Um, and That's what was so the important of the question? I forgot. No, I mean, like that they've just been kind of with you forever but I, I was gonna say now that that's amazing because you're kind of contributing to them also having you know a job that they love and yeah it's it's nice to work with people from home and to kind yeah, of keep it sure. in in that circle I, I mean if if it didn't have the 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 genuine good values of I, I wouldn't say family values but because I don't think we're a family, but we're all good friends that look out for each other, even if mm -hmm. I'm 25 and they're 60 something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they very much value that the input of the brand of Sastre is, I'm recontextualizing their art yeah. in today's fashion world. Yeah. And, and launching it not in a traditional formal way in which shirts and suits are worn but in a recontextualized way in which they can be you know just worn with uh, with sneakers and, the, and a jean i think it's really fun because you're kind of bringing totally new clients to them like they must be used to making pretty standard you know suits for old businessmen or whatever yeah and you're, you're bringing them you know like a colorful rainbow pattern for them to make they, they love me and hate me for it if i'm completely <laughs> honest um they must have hated you for my shirt <laughs> no she actually she uh, gocha loved me for your shirt that, that is more of her alley when i would bring her like uh shirts that included like four or five different um Colors, yeah. patterns she would just flip out because <laughs> we would um generate lines of sewing where there weren't supposed to be but there was no uh it wasn't impossible to do like it wouldn't make the piece not functional so it could be done just that she wouldn't be accustomed to doing it mm -hmm. so so switching off her chip of i don't know close to 40 years of making shirts in a certain way to just do a line because a client wants to do a line in this part of a shirt it, it would drive her insane <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, Pepe also, like with Pepe, I've had to um, make him not be so, um, what's the word, um, a product of his time, I think would be a good way of putting it. Yeah. He, he, he is very accustomed to making different uh, types of suits for girls and for boys or women or men or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, there would be some traditional things like the buttons for the woman goes on one side and the buttons for a man goes on the other side of the suit. Uh -huh. 
uh, some traditional things that have no you're like it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter it has no repercussion at all on the end product right just tradition and differentiation between genders which really we ought to be um, breaking down i mean you're totally doing that with all yeah of the we are threads. we are but so they love me because i am bringing them new clients and a, a new way of work but they also have had trouble with me yeah <laughs> um let go of their past a little yeah um and i also uh, think it's really cool that you're kind of doing this all from a very community focused point so i wanted to ask you more about like i know we talked about how you make the garments with these two people that are part of your community your friends but then also in terms of your, everything from like a photo shoot to like getting friends to model your pieces and like yeah. word of mouth like all of that has kind of really helped I feel like I've I've seen so many people wearing sastre that aren't necessarily like my friends. So I thought that was amazing. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us more a little bit about that kind yeah. of community focus? Yeah, the the it's a very uh, conscious uh, focus. Um, I I feel that for for our brand or in general any brand to um, uh, outlast time, it needs to be bigger than just just the product. It, yep. it needs to be values. It needs to be um, mainly values. I would say mm -hmm. uh, those values are the ones that are going to allow people to um, form a connection to your brand, not only on the product but on the ethos that you're projecting to the world. Yep. So 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 I have and. And that's as conscious as it is. Then, when I'm making things along the way, like the the, fo the, the photo shoots or or selecting the team, it, it just comes from me that I'm more inclined to do it with people that share my values and yeah. my views. Um, for example, uh, I've mentioned Gocha and Pepe, but there's also Fernando and Christian. Fernando help. He's like my number two, and he helps me sometimes uh, going to clients' houses to take measurements, oh. and sometimes taking care of deliveries, and sometimes taking buying fabrics. He just helps me out overall in the day-to-day -day running of it, yeah. allowing me to focus more on the design side. Um, and he is the nephew of Gocha. Oh, amazing! Yeah, and Christian, he is uh, the the brother of Gocha, and he helps us with ironing shirts and packaging. Amazing. So, so the whole Sasse team is um, close, tight yeah. circle. Yeah, it's a tight circle where everyone's looking out for each other, and and there is a competition that we want to do better as a brand so that we can all make more. But there isn't like a competition between them where they're trying to um, outbeat the other one. You know, because they're yeah. totally. and I, I feel like that type of competition within a uh, business is healthier. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. And what else? Uh, for the photo shoots, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it they're really me. cool. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Um, because they're very kind of like not organic, you know. It's not. Yeah. Know, and they're very much your your vibe, so I yeah, like it. We've never hired an agency. We've never hired like um, professional models. Uh, only once did we work with a professional photographer, mm -hmm. um, and she really outdid herself. But everyone's always outdone themselves when when we work together. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, uh, yeah, it, it's easier for me to create with friends. Mm -hmm. It's easier to speak on that creative language that you need 
on the day of the shoot, it's easier for me to put certain types of music and just dance and communicate the vibe that I want in in, in the photo shoot. And overall, I feel like if we can communicate better while we're creating, then the final creation will probably be genuine. And that's what I try to find in, in these photo shoots. Yeah, and I think it's really cool going back to what we were saying at the beginning, like you are kind of through this photo shoot also discovering that there's more people that are looking for this creative niche in Lima, you know, than maybe yeah. you wouldn't have thought of before, um, which I think Absolutely. is super cool. Um, I yeah. also wanted to talk about the um, partnership, I guess, you did with the uh, Colectivo Chipiwas because I thought that was yeah. so cool. Um, I don't know. I mean, how did that happen? Um I like to call it more a collaboration. Okay, yes. <laughs> uh, because in 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 Peruvian fashion, there is this um, excess of using uh, our um, culture, the, the, heritage. yeah, our culture and heritage in a way where you're never actually giving true true contribute like um recognition to that heritage. You know, yeah. Like, people work with um people from from La Sierra. Uh, what do you call a Sierra in English? Like, like, the, like the mountains, the, right. the Andes. Um, like, uh, <laughs> the people from, from the Andes will be sewing uh, the, the, I don't know, the knit, and then they'll send it to a brand, and the brand will probably never even show who was sewing that knit. Yep. And add and, like, so much to the price. <laughs> right, and add a lot to the price and pay them pebbles, really. Yeah. Um, and so, so I, I think that it's important to start saying that it's a collaboration with Colectivo Shipibo because mm-hmm. they're a collective of women that uh, are trying to position their art and heritage, uh, which is um, from, from, the, from the jungle, the jungle. Uh, in Lima. And, and what I wanted to do for them, and they're doing, they're doing this uh, while uh, expressing their art in different mediums. So they're doing uh, murals, they're yeah. doing paintings, they're doing, I don't know, pouches. And I wanted just to offer them another medium. So I mm-hmm. thought, what if you can sew them on shirts and so let's cool. do this collaboration. And, and it was a nonprofit collaboration. All the, all the profits they took for each shirt. Yeah, and, that's so cool. And I wanted also to to not just be like, here, this is a product that they made. I wanted to show the process behind. So I interviewed them sometimes while they were sewing. And they would tell us a bit of, of their history, of what the design means in their culture and, and all that. Yeah, I think that's like the perfect example of how these kind of tributes to heritage and culture should should happen because it's true that a lot of the times we see i mean it's like a huge thing in fashion that people or or big brands just kind of like take this traditional you know things from small communities and they don't really do anything to pay the correct kind of tribute to them so i think this was really special oh thank you Emmy. it means a lot yeah, I mean it's really cool. I wanna, I wanna get one, but um, we'll we can always make later. them. I mean, we we offered them for for a, for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But uh, but at the end of the day, things. since everything is tailor made and every uh, since we don't work with stock and everything is um, made to order, mm-hmm. you can come uh, to Lima in five months and want to buy it, and you can Perfect. buy it because we'll make it. 
amazing <laughs> so yeah, i actually and- also wanted to talk about that because i i really love that it's all tailor-made because it's kind of the best way of doing fashion in my opinion like yeah, pre-orders it's the purest, it's the the purest way of yeah. slow fashion yeah exactly like i don't really think brands should be having as much stock as they have so i thought that this was really cool and i i recently read an article that was saying like that more brands are moving towards pre-order in their most popular items yeah and I thought that was really cool so um is that kind of like wh- why you thought of doing it custom made or is that just kind of like part of the process of it being um tailored? yeah it, it is one part um one part is i i believe that the future of, of the industry lies in becoming more sustainable yeah um and one of the ways in which we can become more sustainable is if we switch uh the process of production to from from fast fashion and large productions to slow fashion and smaller productions mm-hmm. there's also other aspects as how the fabric is made and how it's uh how, how you're treating your workers but in that aspect sure we wanted to be slow fashion yeah um, that's one side and and the purest form of slow fashion like i said is tailor-made i mean you're making a pattern for each body mm-hmm. and making a piece specifically for that person and there is no uh exodus there is no stock and the few waste that you have you can store and then make patchwork yeah um so that's one part and the other part is um I feel like the like the conversation for sustainable for sustainable industry uh, tends to center around uh, how we can ask for change from businesses mm-hmm. um, through and I think and I think that is a one way of looking at it, but I think that also there is another way of looking at it, which is we can center around consumers and yeah. change the way in which we consume. And by changing the consumer, you're changing the demand and supply. Because yeah. if more consumers are demanding a different type of product, then there will inevitably be more of a supply. Yeah. So, so I think that, um, or what what the brand tries to do is, uh, we try throughout the experience of Sastre and the end product, which is a product of the highest quality to instill a change in, in society where people are more, uh, where people value more the experience and the final product mm-hmm. than just going and getting something off the rack. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's a hundred percent why I started this podcast because I wanted people as consumers to kind of realize that they also have to play a part in this change, not just totally. kind of wait for the brands to do it all in, in terms of sustainability. Totally. Um, so, I think it's amazing and I think you know I know it's in Peru but like I got it in New York so like anyone can can order sastre and yeah. brands like yours who are kind of <laughs> working to do this thank you no, yeah I've worn my shirt in New York and everyone's like where did you get that shirt and I'm like oh I made it myself and they're like wait what <laughs> like yeah check sastre out <laughs> it's, honestly it was the the it, it was so um moving to have a piece in New York because I do feel that that's where the whole, that's where the birth of Sastre is at the end of the day. Like yeah. my taste and everything is from there. Full and to have something reach there and be worn there through the streets, it's um, it's like a full circle and it was very moving. Thank you. Aww. 
I know, of course. I mean, I'm gonna now I can wear it more because it was freezing, but now it's right. right. <laughs> also, quarantine. Yeah. Like I, I didn't want to wear it in my house, but now we're a little more free. <laughs> it's it's I, actually one of my favorite pieces still, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you. I mean, I love it. I, I, love I remember it, yeah. when we were making it, I was like, so this is gonna be totally out of out of your comfort zone because I, I don't think you've made one like this but is it possible and you were so down so I really appreciated that I had seen it I, I, yeah, yeah. The, the, those types of shirts are like a, a byproduct of in the 60s there was a period where they were uh, relaunching like colonial shirts mm-hmm. and and the color of, of your shirt is a product of colonial design and i think i found some references lately from from the 60s of those types of shirts when they were relaunching and they're yeah. very similar to today's nice. there is there is a there is a, a color that is not so similar to yours because it's not so big and flamboyant but it's smaller <laughs> and but but it still has that detail and Amazing. i think we're going to do one of those soon for the new collection That's so cool yeah um so now are you doing collections or because i, I want to talk about the linens because i thought they're so cool too so um, we specialize in two things um one we do the collections as a brand that we put out mm-hmm. and and you can buy those uh pieces and customize them by choosing one of the different colors of the fabric that we're offering mm-hmm. in our catalog so and all those pieces are also tailor-made and made to your measurements mm-hmm. but uh, that is one part of the business. The other part of the business are the off-the-rack projects. And those are basically a client will ask us, hey, I'm interested in doing this piece. Can we do it? And based on the reference that the client will give me, I will make a PDF with a bunch of references. Then we'll have a Zoom meeting uh, defining the design that he wants. And I'll find the fabric specific to that piece. And then we'll make uh, a piece from scratch that is the client's original design. Um, and those, uh, so in our feed, you will mainly, you will only find actually now uh, our collections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, we were showing the shirts that other clients were doing, but we kept getting people asking us if they could get that shirt and we would have to tell them we're sorry that's a piece exclusively done for this person yeah so we switched to really showing... what i think that's really special too because then it becomes like your shirt you know yeah it totally i i, I don't i don't want that to be lost ever I, mm-hmm. I i want that to be forever the the ethos of the brand you know if, if you design something it's yours and no one else will have it yeah one of a kind but, yeah truly one of a kind with all its imperfections. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So um, if anyone wants to buy Sastre, what's the best way? The best way is to DM us. And I'm still managing the account. So I'll reply and we'll have a conversation about the best way to create your piece, depending on if you're in Lima, if you're outside of Lima, um, depending on if you have already a reference or you're just looking for references and I'll send you references. Um, Yeah, but just DM me and we'll have a chat and we'll make something. Amazing. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) I think those are all my questions. I'm very excited to to share the story of Sastre because it's definitely my favorite. But um, yeah, I'm very excited to see what's I don't want to I don't want to 
add spoilers of what's to come because I'm just I don't know I think there's probably so much more that you can do yeah I don't want to spoil anything <laughs> I, I, can, I can give you like a spoiler the, the, the next collection is very is gonna go it's gonna be very 70s <gasps> wow yeah. that's my favorite yeah. decade okay yeah, yeah mine too <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm gonna order those I'm gonna have to ask you for another soon the, uh, the fans are gonna be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, Damn, sure. now I want preview photos. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be sure to send you some, man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, thank you, Sebas. You're the best. No, thank you, Annie. I've had a blast. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Sebas, for sharing more about how Sastre came to be. I'm so proud of everything that you've accomplished so far, so I can't wait to see what comes next. Um, if anyone wants to check out Sastre, and you definitely should, please go find them on Instagram at sastre.pe. Um, and feel free to let me know if you enjoyed this episode at Chavitamin School on Instagram as well. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.